What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Hope everyone had an absolutely sexy weekend. I hope I had a sexy weekend for the love of Christ. Okay. I was in New York. I hope that I had fun with wig. I hope that I just danced my little ass off because I like to let off steam. My mom would be like, you know what? You're about to go on a book tour for two weeks. You should be resting. And you know how I like to rest shaking my ass. Okay. Um, so I hope I had fun in a safe way and I hope I'm not too puffy. My book is out tomorrow. So let's just all hold hands and pray at this point it's like i just kind of like i don't know delusion fear what will happen um but it's out tomorrow so that's exciting i'm very very excited i think like even the just hearing a few people who've gotten the advanced copies and like the advanced audiobooks like hearing their feet, positive feedback has been like so stress relieving so i feel like it's once people start to read it it'll be good anyway have a lot of fun recaps for you. And then I want to talk about the expectation of liking your friends, boyfriends, and husbands, because I have changed my fucking mind on this. I have changed so much and I want to tell you why. So that's that. So my, we talk a lot in this podcast and in general about changing friendships and being in different places in your life as your friends. And I had two experiences last week that I want to share with you guys so that I inspire you, comfort you, um, all, all that in between. So first of all, my girlfriend V, who I've been friends with since um, I went to college. So we've been friends for like 13. We found a picture and it was like 13 years ago. It's so crazy. Um, she lives in the Bay Area. She has two little babies, just two daughters. They're so cute. I haven't seen her in over two years. And we had this idea that she would come down and, you know, Obviously it is, I, I have no way of understanding how hard it is to leave your kids for even a night, but I know it's very hard. Um, and she, she made the trip and she was like, you know what? We were going back and forth. Like, should we do it? Our other girlfriend couldn't come in the end. And she was like, oh, well, you know, we didn't know. And then we were just, she was like, fuck it. I'm coming. I'm booking it. We're going to do it. She's going to, um, she was like, I'm going to fly in. In the afternoon, we're going to go to dinner. We're going to wake up, do a workout class together. And I'm going to fly home. Like we need to spend this time together. And it was the most nourishing 12 hours that I've had in the last like three months. And like I said, we haven't seen each other in two years and our lives could not be more different. She's married. Like I said, she has two sweet, sweet baby girls. And, you know, she lives in San Francisco with her husband and her family. And, you know, I am single. I'm running all over the place. I have two cats, very different than two kids. And, you know, V is someone that I think of often when I talk to you guys about being in different places in life, because even though her and my, sorry, I'm really tired you guys, even though our lives are so different, she is so supportive of me. And I hope that I'm supportive back of her. You know, we, we swap pictures and even though our pictures are so different, like I literally live to see pictures of her kids. I'm like, what are they eating for breakfast? breakfast. Like, what are they doing? Like, show me your walk, like, show me this and that. And she's like, Oh my God, like, show me what you're wearing to this. Show me what you're wearing to that. And it, you know, you just have to set aside the fact that you're in different places in your life. If you, if a friend is important to you, keep up that communication. And I'm not saying in a stressful way, because sometimes you guys are like, but I don't have time to talk to, to each, to them. That's okay. Sometimes V will text me and I, I will not text back for two days. She doesn't judge me. It's not stressful and vice versa. We send each other voice notes and we just keep up through any way possible 
possible, you know, and it feels so good. Anyway, so then I saw her after two years, she came down and she was like wanting to have a fun night out, obviously. And we, so we went to Oliveta, which is such a good fucking restaurant. It's unbelievable. It's my friend's Marissa's restaurant. And we just talked for like three hours and it was just it was unbelievable. It was so fucking good. And it was like, no time had passed at all. Even though I hadn't seen her in two years, um, we caught up, we gossiped a little, we had some martinis and it was just fantastic just to spend special time with her. And then the next morning we woke up and we went to Megan Roop and I love Megan Roop and V and I used to be like obsessed with her when we would live in, we lived in New York together. That's, um, where we spent like a good chunk of time together, me and V. And, um, and she had never met Megan before. And so she was like, oh my God, I can't believe you like know Megan. Now we used to like go to her classes and whatever in New York. And so, um, we had a really fun class with Megan and then we got a smoothie and she flew home and it just meant the world to me. I don't for a second want to take for granted how difficult it is for moms to, you know, take even a short trip like that. It's a lot, it's a lot of work to organize your kids, you know, to for have other people take care of them, whatever, whatever, all that stuff. But it just, it meant the world. And if you have a friend who is in a different stage of life than you, don't be off put by that. Don't let that get in the way of your friendship. And don't, don't overthink what communication has to look like because it might change, right? You might go from texting someone every second of the day. Like when we lived in New York, V and I saw each other probably four or five times a week. And I know that sounds crazy, but like we lived so close to one another that we would like work out several times in the morning. We'd always get dinner with our other friends, like at least one night a week, we would watch, you know, football together on the weekends. We would just do everything together. And then when we moved, you know, different places, like, you know, she got married, had a family and it just, it changed. But it just because the communication style changes, it doesn't mean it's different. And you know, the number one thing that I think is so important, because we touched on it briefly, and we were both like, you know, we just like, give each other grace, we just give each other that space. And I know that's difficult. And I know how hard it is to feel like your friendships are changing. But I promise you, if you just let them get to the other side, they can recalibrate and they can still be beautiful. And it's just, oh, my God, I was like, so grateful. I'm, I'm still in the afterglow of that amazing visit. I love her so much. And I'm just like, I'm just so proud of our friendship and I'm so, so grateful. Okay. Then after that, I had had this reunion plan with my girlfriends who I lived with in San Francisco. You know, I always talk about the the purple house on Laguna street in SF in the Marina and like the best four years of my life were in that house. And the girls that I moved in with right after college, Molly, Casey, and Abigail, like they raised me talk about mothering. Like they freaking raised me and we were in, in the trenches together. Freshman year of real life. There was, we were t- anyway, they are the most incredible people. And we had planned to go to Tahoe and I was so fucking stressed. Obviously I've been really stressed lately guys with the book and doing all the press and whatnot. And I was like, I was secretly, I was like, I got to cancel. Like, I can't do this. I can't fly to Tahoe. Like I'm actually about to spin out. Like I'm freaking, freaking the fuck out. And then, you know, after the visit with V, I was like, no, I got to go because even if I'm tired, I, it doesn't matter. And the thing that nourishes me more than like sleep or rest is time with my, my friends. I, I literally 
run on that power. Like I, I, I need these women in my life. I mean, my shtick, like I, at least, you know, I'm not lying about everything that I talk to you guys about all the time. Like my female friends are literally my fucking rock. Like I love them, especially my college friends. They are just everything to me. And I was like, fucking, I'm going like, I don't care if I'm tired, whatever. As soon as I see their faces, they pick me up in Tahoe. I'm about to cry. This is how like high strung I am right now. I was like, I can't believe that I even considered canceling. Like I was so happy to see them. They are the most wonderful people. We had the best fucking weekend together. We did nothing apart from talk and cook and hike and just chill together. And it was very trippy because it was like almost 10 years to the day that we had signed that lease. And we like, we're still all the same in, in a lot of ways. Like, like they're all really organized. I'm obviously really disorganized. Like they did all this stuff with the lease and like whatever. And I still remember us driving up to San Francisco from Stanford, like looking at all the houses, trying to see like which apartment we could get, filling all that out. Our, our landlady was crazy. Okay. In this house. And like Abigail would always deal with her because Abigail's very sensible and calm and like could, could communicate with her. Whereas I was like, so freaked out by her. Um, and so we just were catching up and we, I mean, I'm so proud of them. They're the most incredible, impressive women. We had so many talks about like motherhood, marriage, um, friendship, work, all the things we've learned over the past 10 years. Like all, we're, we're getting, getting ready to go to our 10 year reunion at Stanford in the fall. Like just, it was the most incredible thing. And I don't, I don't want to make anyone sad by this, by saying this, because I'm sure that some people out there are listening to this thinking, damn, I've lost touch with like my, some of my college friends or whatnot. That's okay. First of all, they ebb and flow. If, if the friendships are no longer there, that's okay. Like let them go. But if you have friends who you haven't spoken to that much or whatever, reach out to them and, and make that time and carve out that time. Even if it's just 24 hours, even if it's just a phone call, you've got to just you know, put that effort in because it can be so amazing. And I just, I honestly, I I'm so, I'm, I'm so obsessed with my friends. I love them. And we were saying how we felt like those girls, those shit scared 22 year olds would be so proud of like where we are today. And I, another thing I highly recommend if you're hanging out with friends you haven't seen in a while and catching up is we all sat around we like got a glass of wine and then we, um, went through our photos from that time in our life. And we were cracking up. We were literally, I almost peed myself. Okay. I did pee myself because we were laughing so hard going through all of our old photos. Sidebar. Can we talk about why all millennial women were sold the lie that we have to do like day to night dressing? Like they remember when we were like, if you're a millennial, when we were like 20, two to 27, every magazine was like workwear into dinnerwear. Like you can wear this dress to the office and then wear it to the club. I swear to God, we were fucking pissing ourselves because every picture of me, I was wearing like a fucking Zara tweed work dress with a Oxford button down in the club. I I'm, I'm serious. Like that's what I thought was cool to wear to the club. I wore like ballet flats to the club as well. If you know, you know, we were in that era. Okay. But we were just cracking up. We were like going through our old Snapchats together, thinking about all the fun times we had. And if you are, you know, still have roommates and you're in that, you know, era of your life, maybe you're graduating soon and you're about to move to a new city, fucking cherish it. Okay. Cherish it. If I could go back, 
I, th- I've, I think about this a lot. Like if, if there was a time machine and I could go back and have one day again, or like w- one day from one era of my life, I would go back to that era when I was like in the, in that, you know, 20 early twenties living with these girls, I would just go back because the support and the fun and the laughs that we had was just unmatched. Like every day was funny. And I just, now it seems so crazy that I ever, you know, I didn't take it for granted, but you don't know when it's happening. Like the fact that we would all get up and we'd all be going to work and like making coffee and like stressing out and like being like, what should I text him back? It's just, it's the best. And if you still live with roommates, take pictures of fucking everything and write everything down, write every private joke down, write every little funny memory down, take videos, just write it all down because you're going to want it. You're going to want it later. Um, so it was honestly the best. I, I like cried when I left because I was just so, I'm just was, and and it just came at a very emotional time for me because I'm about to do this book and I've just been, you know, it can be isolating when you're doing a lot of, when you're working hard, we've talked about that before, like working hard can be really lonely and I'm just going from like interview to interview and traveling a lot and whatever. And it's like, I just, they're so proud of me too. Like they it just like felt so good that they were proud of me. I don't know. I, I just, it was really, really lovely and I love them so much. And I just very grateful for that time that I had with them. Okay. And then on a lighter note, they made us do, um, so Abigail and Molly were like, Oh, what's your guys Enneagram? And, and Casey and I were like, Oh, we've never done that test before. So by the way, we went to this amazing bakery. It was like mother's day. And they were, they were like, Oh, it's mother's day. Like you ladies, like we were like, we're not moms yet. And they were like, okay, well you can have this basket of free pastries anyway. And we were like, Oh my God. And they gave us mimosas. It was so nice. It was in Tahoe. So we were like eating our pastries, having the best breakfast. And we decided to do this test and I'm an eight. And at first when I read it, I was like, I'm not an eight, but, but whatever. And and then I was, and then I read it again. And I was like, I am so an eight it's insane um I don't know if you guys have done that test but it's actually so crazy accurate so the eight is the challenger and there were some parts where I was just absolutely cracking up so the key personality traits of the eight independent and self-sufficient fierce and confident look determination and stamina very energetic and busy fiery passions and power stubborn and headstrong serious about control over environment so like Obviously that's me. That's actually so fucking funny. Goal oriented and self-competent challenge, uh, challengers trays trail blaze boldly. I can't read trail blaze boldly through all walks of life and take great pride in their independence and sharp minds. Like, I don't know, I could go on, but I highly recommend doing this test because Abigail and Molly told us that it's the most psychologically backed test. You know, how there's like so many tests. It's like, what animal type are you? What this or that are you? And I love that shit. I literally love it probably because I'm vain, but I'm like, Ooh, tell me more about myself. But they said that all of their friends who work in like psychology and stuff say, this is the most accurate one. Yeah. This is so funny. Eights have no problem accessing their anger, often expressing it impulsively. Yup. That's me. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting and it's all, it's all about like, oh, and I found out that Chelsea Handler is also an eight and also Stassi Schroeder is also an eight. So I was like, yes, in good company. Um, so, okay. Then we had a really interesting conversation and this is what I want to talk to you guys about on the pod today, but we were talking about like, obviously catching up, like, Oh, how's that person? How's that person? And we were talking about how like the expectation of 
liking your friends, boyfriends, and husbands. Now, let me tell you guys something. I've mentioned this before, but when I was younger, I genuinely in my fucking delusional head thought that I was going to live down the street from all my friends. We were going to basically live in a commune and I was going to like all their boyfriends and all their husbands. So you can fucking bet your bottom dollar that I was one confused little bitch when in my twenties, my friends started dating guys that I didn't think were cool or good enough for my friends. Now, part of that is like the eight in me, the Virgo in me. Like I never think any, you know, one time a boyfriend said that to me, he was like, you never think anyone's good enough for your friends. And I was like, because they're not because my friends deserve fucking princes who fucking worship them. Okay. Delusional. I know. Um, and then I was like, okay, but it's fine. Like ultimately they'll all marry like really, really great guys who like I'm obsessed with and that's immature. Okay. That's immature. And I, I can be a little immature for, for sure. I'm admitting that now. And as I got older, I was like, oh damn, like my friends are going to date and marry guys that I don't vibe with that much. And that's okay. I can't identify exactly when this shift happened for me, but we were all talking about it and we were like, the expectation is that your friend is really happy and treated well, and that's it. You don't need to love your friends, boyfriends, or husbands. You don't need to think that they're funny or cool or sexy because guess what? You're not fucking them. You're not making a life with them. Your friend is. And I know, I know if you're a passionate friend like I am, it can be difficult when you feel like, and I'm not talking about if you hate them. That's a different pod. We've done that pod. We talk about that a lot. I'm talking about like if your friend marries a guy and you're just like, yeah, I just kind of, I just kind of like don't think he's that cool. That's okay. That is okay. All that matters is that your friend is super happy and treated well and in love and supported. Okay. And that's a really important shift. And maybe you're like, yeah, duh, Tinks, that's fucking obvious. But it wasn't obvious to me. It wasn't obvious at all. I was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, I thought I was going to be best friends with all of my friends, husbands, and boyfriends. Like, I think if you're lucky, you get like two of those. You get two. And they're probably random. It's not necessarily your best friend, but like someone in your close friend circle, you'll be like, yeah, her husband's dope. Her husband's so funny. Like I would hundred percent get a beer, beer with him. Most of them, you're not going to want to get a beer with. And again, that's okay. As long as they treat your friend well, which I thought was just like, we had this big discussion about it. Obviously I was like the last to figure that out, but now I really do internalize that. And now I, I don't look at my friend's boyfriends and husbands like through the lens of like oh you know do I think they're good enough or do I think they're cool enough or funny enough I'm like do they make my friend happy is my friend supported is she fulfilled like is she you know in love and that's all that matters and I think it's a powerful shift to make in your mind um I really hope that I I really hope that when I find my partner we have like two or three couples where I love both of the people, both of the other people. And he loves both of the other people. So we can like go on vacation with them or whatever. Cause sometimes it is just a, ma- a mismatch, but anyway, that's in the future. If you don't future trip. Um, so, okay. And then I, <laughs> okay. Then I come home and I go to dinner with a person of the male gender. He said, well, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about this thing that he said, which I need to unpack with you guys. He said one of his mentors told him, date until you find a woman who you want your daughter to be like. 
And I was like, whoa, I've never heard that before. That's crazy. And I feel like that's such a more, that sounds like a mantra or like a little trick or rule that I would tell you guys, like, obviously not that one, but you know, you know what I mean? It's like that vibe. I didn't know that men had any of those. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that. (laughs) I just didn't know that they had any little tricks or mantras, but apparently they do. So date until you find a woman who you want your daughter to be like. So obviously I was like, well, do you want your daughter to be like me? And I was like, whatever. And I was like, who of all your ex-girlfriends have you most wanted your daughter to be like? And he was like, honestly, none of them. And I was like, whoa, that's interesting. And we agreed that it was kind of like one of my, it's kind of, I don't know if I like agree or disagree with it, but I think at its, at its root cause, it's kind of what I, the same message that I say, which is like, um, which is like, you can't rush timing. So in the meantime, have fun, explore date, use it as a period of self-discovery until you find someone who it just works with the, the end bit is a little bit different, but I think the core message is kind of the same. So I thought that was really interesting. Would love to know your thoughts about that. DM me, message me date until you find a woman who you want your daughter to be like, I want to close the loop on something else, which is that on AMA, someone said, what do you think about a registry for a seven-year-old? I said, I think that's unhinged. And then everyone was like, you don't have children. Um, you don't know, like, I don't want my kid to like get extra stuff. Like I, you know, double toys. Like it's annoying when people text me and, and like ask me what I want my kid. And then that was like a few, and then, so I went on and I was like kind of sarcastic and I was like, Ooh, the banana brigade brigade come came for me. And it was only really like two or three people. And Then I had like so many moms and like, I feel so powerful when the mom community who follows me backs me up. Like, I feel so powerful because like, what's more powerful than a mother? Literally all the moms were like, that's fucking absurd. I would never give my kid a registry. They're seven. That's insane. Then some moms were like, maybe I would do like an Amazon list just to make it easy for people because I guess that's a thing for kids' birthday parties now. But they were like, but not a registry. And a lot of the moms were like, that kid is going to be so entitled if you have a registry. And a lot of the moms were like, look, I have four kids. I've never had a registry. It's like, And one mom made a really good point. She was like, if they're coming to the child's birthday party, they probably like the majority of people probably have kids of the same age. So they know like the vibe of what they want to get them and whatnot. And even if they don't, a lot of moms said, sometimes my friends who don't have kids get my kids gifts that don't like aren't appropriate for their age or whatever. They don't know. And it's fine. Like they were like, I would never judge someone because they don't know. I just, my take is like a gift is like a it's, it's, I truly believe it's the thought that counts. I truly, truly believe that. And you need to, again, I don't have kids, but if I do have children, I will raise them. Like if someone brings you something, it's the thought that counts. doesn't matter if it's not the color you wanted of the toy or like the dress doesn't fit or whatever. It is simply, simply someone giving you a nice thing because they are thinking about you and you say fucking thank you like that. I'm sorry. That's just like how I feel. Um, that's like absurd. The more that I think about it. So that's, that's that. Okay. So guys to end, I want to share, I want to share some work that my friends are doing. That is really crucial that I just want to share with you. I think it's very important. And I want to talk to you about something that's happening in New York in case you want to go. Um, so my friends in London 
are part of something, they volunteer for something called the school's consent project. And this project sends lawyers into schools to teach kids consent. They believe that education is prevention. So this is really, really cool, important work, right? Because it's, 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 um, it's getting ahead of the problem and it's, they go into schools. Like one of my friends is a lawyer in London and she goes into schools and she literally teaches consent. I mean, it's such a simple notion, but like, why isn't this more widespread, right? So important. And I'm so fucking proud of their work. Okay. They have taught 30,000 young people about consent in the past eight years, um, which is an estimated 10,000 sexual assaults prevented. That's pretty fucking amazing, you guys. And this spring, they are coming to the US and they are opening their New York branch. Why is this needed in New York, you guys? So in the US, I'm sorry, I should have said that we're going to be lightly touching on sexual assault. So if anyone doesn't want to hear that, it's upsetting, triggering to them. Just, you know, we're just mentioning it as a concept, as a thing. Um, in the US, a woman is sexually assaulted every 98 seconds. That's pretty fucking horrific statistic. And less than 2% of assault cases arrive at conviction. Um, so something has to change. Uh, and the state of, of sex education in New York is actually appalling. Um, the only... Um, so kids are missing this vital education. And then we're like, well, why are the statistics on sexual assault so high? So again, I, why I love this work that they're doing with the school's consent project is they're actually affecting change. They're actually changing people's mind. They're going into schools. They are teaching kids about consent, which what could be more important. And I, I think this isn't so important for us to discuss because look, it's predominantly women who are listening to my podcast, but also remember when I did that pod episode about the Scott Galloway stuff. And, and I said to you guys, I want us to be aware because we are raising the next generation of kids right right now, or we, or we will be. So this is so important. And I just, I love the fact that they are teaching actively getting ahead of this issue. So, um, there is a play. It's called Prima Fossi, starring Tony nominee. So starring Tony nominee Jodie Comer. It's in New York. It's getting amazing press. Um, people like Anna Wintour, Bono, Matt Damon, Uma Thurman, Dua Lipa, Lena Dunham. They've all gone to see this play. If you're in New York, go see it. I'm gonna try and go see it. And on June 4th, they are doing a fundraiser. Um, and I just wanted to tell you guys about this. I know I have a, new, a lot of New York followers. Maybe you can get involved. I'm going to put this all in the show notes. Maybe you can go see the play, but I just think it's really amazing work. And I'm extremely proud of my friends, Joe Camilla and Kate for their tireless work on this. Um, you know, they all have full-time jobs and then they volunteer uh, as well and just work so hard. And I'm just so fucking proud of them. So get involved. I'm going to try to go see this play. I wish I could be in town for the fundraiser, but I know I have a lot of smart, um, super passionate, wonderful women listening and following me. So I wanted to share this. Okay. My book comes out tomorrow. Everyone say a fucking prayer prayers up prayers up you guys. Um, thank you for all your support over the past. Whenever I announced that I was doing the book, I would be nothing and nowhere without my community. I fucking love you guys. I feel like I'm getting onto a roller coaster, but I know that with you guys, I'm going to be safe and good. So I can't wait to meet so many of you on the road. I will be back Wednesday with a live show. Will I be back Wednesday with a live show? No, you won't. You'll be back. You'll be back with a brand new AMA. You can say, because it's a pre-taped one we did a while ago. I will be back with a brand new AMA um, that I pre-recorded 
answering all your phone mess or voicemails and emails and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on the road. I love you all so, so, so very much. Thanks. Bye.